Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who doesn't like falling over stools, Palmer. How are you today? What? (laughs) (laughs) Million Dollar Baby. All right, the stool. The stool. (laughs) The villain of the movie. The villain of the movie, the stool. How are you? I'm all right. How about you? I'm doing quite well. We're here to talk about the 2005 Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards. They are as follows for the year 2005. Finding Neverland, Ray, Sideways, The Aviator, and Million Dollar Baby. A Palmer. bunch of happy-go-lucky movies they are. God, weren't they? I actually have a theory about that when we get to Million Dollar Baby, so hold that in your pants pocket for a little while. Palmer, you know what won Best Picture because we were alive. Yeah, Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby won Best Picture this year. Tough year. I think this is one of the first years that I've actually enjoyed every single movie. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, enjoyed in a way that I was like, ooh, I'd watch that again movie. Yeah. Because that doesn't normally happen. Normally where, yeah, most of them were good, but I, I, I would check out at, you know, a lot of them. But this one, every single one would watch. Would watch again. Okay. How do you feel about all these movies generally? They are all movies that were made in and around 2004. They certainly were, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. As always, Palmer and I, Palmer and I will have different different opinions. <laughs> Let's start with Finding Neverland. Okay. Directed by Mark Forrester, written by David McGee, based on the play The Man Who Was Peter Pan by Alan Nee. Starring Johnny Depp, Kate Winslet, Julie Christie, Dustin Hoffman, Radha Mitchell, and Freddie Highmore. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Johnny Depp. Adapted screenplay, editing, art direction, costume design. It won Best Music. I mean, I can see why. Yeah. Because apart from Ray, it's the only memorable music in the entire lineup. Well, I mean, it's a musical. Is, is it, though? It is. It's... It's not. The one I watched was a musical. Oh, you oh, you weren't supposed to watch that one. It's great, though. <laughs> we would sail away tonight on a world of pure moonlight. Great show. Really yes. enjoyed that show. <laughs> Honestly, like it more than the movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, the story of Finding Neverland is the story of Sir J.M. Barry and his friendship with the family that helped inspire Peter Pan. It is based on a true story. Um, actually, it's very yes, much... Yes, Peter Pan is, based is on a real story. Thing. Yes, it is. Um, no, I was going to say, uh, the, it, the, the movie and then the musical itself is, it doesn't stray too far from the truth, which I, which I appreciate it. Like, so, spoilers, so, like, he, he ends up, uh, like, in real life, he adopts all those kids unofficially. So he make like, yeah. he cares for them after, long afterwards. So, you know, good for him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this movie? I really enjoyed it. I, just, uh, I haven't seen it before. I don't know if I've ever tried to watch it before mm. or not, but no, I just never, I had never gotten around to it. This is easily one of Depp's best roles that I've seen in a few years where he's just not playing like a really strange 
this was character. This was still in his hate, his like depassance, yeah. I guess. You know, like where he was, you know, he was Captain Jack, but he wasn't. He was. He had become famous again because of Captain Jack, but he was getting roles that kind of showcased him as an actor, as a as opposed to him as a weirdo. Right. This was right before um, Willy Wonka. Oh, this is a long time before Willy Wonka. Not no, that. not Willy Wonka. I was thinking Alice in Wonderland when you said that. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. this is before Willy Wonka. Yeah, this is just before Willy Wonka. Right, because he reunites with Freddie Highmore for Willy right. Wonka. It's the same kid who's excellent. He's really good. Freddie Highmore is so good. Yeah. He went on to play Norman Bates in Bates Motel. Yes. I did not know that. How did you not know that? I didn't watch Bates Motel. Oh, well, that's probably why then. Yeah, I know. I should, though. Now I'm more interested. You should, although you know where the story's going, so that's kind of... Right, it's kind of why I never did, and I love Psycho. Yeah. We could do a whole show on Psycho. Kate Winslet is also really good in this. She is. She's not her best, though. I think she's good, but she's like her... She's not, say, like, I don't know, the reader good, Okay, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, she's, that does. She's, like, she's really good because she's Kate Winslet. She's always really good. Mm-hmm. But I, she wasn't nominated, and I, and I can see why she wasn't nominated. I think it's not a phone-it-in performance, but it's certainly kind of, like, I've seen other people do very similar things. Yeah, and the movie's not really about her. The movie focuses more on Jam Barry and the kids. That's right. And she's kind of there. Uh, that being said, this, I think, doesn't suffer from a movie like Amadeus, which we'll see next year. Uh, next two years. Two years. Um, where it has a story to tell mm-hmm. that's interesting. Whereas Amadeus kind of just tells you a story about a person who's famous. Like this has, to me, this has like a crux, a resolution, something to talk about. You know, this is, I think, also the difference between, say, um, you mentioned Amadeus, but I'm going to point at Ray. Okay. Where it's that Ray is a movie about somebody famous, you know, where it doesn't. It doesn't have – it's not a particular moment in Ray Charles' life. It's many moments in Ray Charles' life from the 20s to the 40s, well, actually, a, and then up it, until the 70s. It's a particular time. Right, but it, that's the same with – that's the same with Amadeus that, you know, it takes place over a good chunk of Mozart's life. Yeah, but I don't feel there's any issues in Amadeus where there's definitely issues in Ray in this movie. Like there's – there's a there's struggle and there's something to overcome to get to where these people are going. I understand. And Amadeus is just like, hey, this really famous composer. This is what happened. In I his understand, life. but the I don't know why we're talking about Amadeus so much. But Amadeus is not really about Mozart. It's about Salieri's vision of Mozart and his rivalry that Mozart doesn't even know about with him. So it the the like yes, you're watching a movie. Like yes, it's it's Mozart, but like say like Finding Neverland isn't a movie about Jay and Barry through the eyes of you know Dustin Hoffman's character or whatever. Well, no, because Dustin Hoffman's character dies on the Lusitania. Does he really? He does. That's awful. Did he really die on the Lusitania? Yeah. The real guy? Yeah. Oh, that's no sad. Dustin Hoffman. He's actually. Why don't you think he's been around lately? I don't know. I just assumed he was getting older. <laughs> he was retiring and stuff. Wow, that's so sad. Yeah. I I really liked out. how the play looked when they put it on. 
Oh, you the, mean you mean Peter Pan in yeah, the film the, Finding yeah, Neverland? The the sea is done so is done so brilliantly. I agree. I think for most people, I even it's a slightly educational because a lot of people don't know that Peter Pan was a play first, and then he turned it into a book because the play was so successful. Yes. Right. I knew it was a. I knew it was a play. I didn't know what came first. Yeah, the play came um, first. He turned it into a book because people wanted to consume it after the play right. had kind of run its course. And so, and then it's, you know, it's Peter Pan. I have Peter Pan. There's a fine, there's a Neverland pillow right behind your head, right over there. Yes, there is. I love Peter Pan. It's in the shape of a hook. It is, that, it is not. It is not. But I, I do remember the play because growing up we had the Kathy Rigby Oh, recorded. Oh yeah, recorded uh, version. I had the Mary Martin recorded version oh, as well. Did yeah. Was Mary Martin was one? Mary Martin was the first one. Right. That was the original NBC musical right. production. And then there was Kathy Rigby. They filmed Kathy Rigby in the nineties, I think. All right. So yeah, it was Mary Martin that I'm thinking of. Okay. Oh yeah. That was. Great. I always get the I always get the song with Peter Pan and Tiger Lily stuck in my head. Oh, Uggawug, 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 Wah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, I love that musical. It's great. Anyway, this <laughs> but movie. not the last version. I like the the kind of play imagination visions that the, the film goes that the film goes for. Yes. You know, like, oh, we're, we're cowboys. You know, we're, you know, we're on the sea. We're over here. We're off in Neverland. So because the play kind of turns into real Neverland, her vision kind of moving into death, right? Yeah, that was that was uh like she gets up and she starts moving into Neverland. I'm like, Oh, she's dying. Oh, she's dying. Bye. Bye. She's gonna be in Neverland. Second start of the right and straight on till you stop Morning. breathing. Yeah. <laughs> if I named episodes, that's what I would call <laughs> this episode. Uh that's and then, terrible. And when it cuts to black, I'm like, Oh, that's a that's a pretty good like Illusion. Uh, that was a pretty mm. good illusion to go out on the movie on, and then they had like the wrap up stuff, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the movie could have ended with that scene, sort of. Except that Peter had to, Peter had to kind of cope with that his dad died, and now his mom's dead, and like this, like he had some stuff to work through. Spoiler in the fun facts: he doesn't. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not a fun fact. Oh, it might be though. Okay, great. <laughs> so. I think, although on the whole, so I say I, I enjoy this movie. On the whole, I'd say it's about a three out of five, though. I think it's like a, you can enjoy it, and I think Depp's performance is very good. Yes, he's probably not a good person, blah, blah, um, all that stuff. I, I, I think it gets all good and it all works, but I feel like it's missing something. And I thought this before the musical came out, so I know it's not the, I know it's not music. I don't. I don't really think it's missing anything. I think it does the best job it can do with the story it's it's Maybe. telling. I honestly, I think it's the director. It's the same guy who directed um, Winnie the Pooh, that new Winnie the Christopher Pooh movie. Robin. Christopher Robin. Oh, he just loves sad stuff. Yeah, he does, and he's it's this really slow sadness, and I think it just lacks energy. But I've seen other films that has he directed Stranger Than Fiction, which is a great movie. I love Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah, but it's also a sad movie. It is. Well, I mean, like that's fine. That I mean, Tim Burton directs sad movies. We don't get on his case for directing sad movies. He, he directs weird sad though. Oh yeah, this so, guy's just like really sad. I'm just I just like sad things. Although um, Stranger Than Fiction is not a sad film. 
Oh, no, it is. Mm, Go back and rewatch it. Not at the end. I watch it all the time. It's not bad. Not all the time. But I watch it at least once a year. That's a lot for a film. Right. I don't know. Um, No, I I think this movie's the best it can be. I just don't like... The sum of its parts just, I don't think, can equal a five-star movie. Should, that's 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 what I yeah. It's just still like I still I missing something. I yeah. see why it's nominated. Like me it, too. It's, it's a nice, it's a for nice the most part piece. enjoyable period piece that that doesn't um, overstay I, its welcome. Yeah, because it's it's under two hours. Right? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, and while it is sad, it is a. It's a nice family movie. This is kind of like a this is kind of like a live action version of Bambi. Bambi's a sad movie. Hmm. But there's enough in it to kind of be like, "Oh, look, it's happy and peppy and you can get kids to watch it." I'd agree with that. So, I was I was going to save this for Million Dollar Baby, but it's a happy sad movie. I'll I'll say it now. All of these films, like really Yeah, really all of them epitomize America in 2005 like right. immensely because we're, it's it's a few years after 9-11. We're entrenched in war in the Middle East, and everyone is sad. And they want to be hopeful, but they're sad. So they want this, like, American dream. They want to feel good, but ultimately but it's they're just, sad. But they're just going to end sadly. And that's pretty much what almost every one of these movies does where it's like here's the dream we can make it. Oh, but no, we're sad. That <laughs> We're sad. That's kind of it, it's it's Finding Neverland, it's Ray, it's Sideways, it's The Aviator and it's Million Dollar I don't Baby. Think it's the Aviator. It's sad. I mean, you're I think I think it's the uh I wouldn't say that it's the aviator itself, but if you know anything about Howard Hughes, it becomes sad. You know what I mean? The after of it becomes a little sad. I guess, but... Yeah, because technically sideways, you could kind of sidestep that, putting it in that box as well. I don't think you could. Like, he's just a sad man. Yeah, but he's like, getting. well, anyway, we're moving on. Do some fun facts. Okay. Fun facts, fun facts. Johnny Depp was so impressed with the performance of Freddie Highmore during the filming that when Depp was cast for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he specifically requested Highmore to play the title character of Charlie. Hmm. Well, there you go. In the film, Sir James Matthew Barry spies Charles Froman reading through the Peter Pan playbill, mocking the character names. The original script, however, called for Dustin Hoffman to be dressed in Captain Hook's costume as he playfully reads the playbill. Upon reading that scene, Dustin said to Mark Forrester, I'm not being Hook again. The script was then changed. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. I just love that he's in the movie, but he's also Captain Hook. That makes it. Did he not like being Captain Hook? Probably not. Nobody likes being Captain Hook. Oh, I disagree. Sorrel Richards loved being Captain Hook. So, now, because this movie, like... Unlike a lot of lie, uh, based on a true story, has no postscripts. Mm-hmm. That's correct because it's sad. Because it's sad. One of the postscripts being Dustin Hoffman's character dying on the Lusitania. The other ones would be George Lewin, a soldier in World War One, died at the age of twenty-one. Mm. Michael Lewin drowned at the age of twenty under mysterious circumstances. 
and Peter Lewin Davies, Sir J.M. Barry's child muse and inspiration for Peter Pan, was troubled by the public moniker in 1963. At the age of 63, he threw himself under a train. <gasps> oh, my. What the? Yeah. He so the only one to make it out of that family was Michael? Yes. Because there's four boys. There's George. Right. George, John, there's Michael, also, and Peter. There was also a... Um, a thing that I didn't write down, but apparently Peter's not really the muse. The it's f- it's one of the like it's been it's been um, talked about historically that one of the other children is who he was closer to, but he named the character Peter. Maybe because Peter Pan is actually a terrible, terrible child. And loves killing people. Well, no. Peter Pan is ushering people into heaven. He is the angel of death. <clears throat> well, kind of. If you read original Peter Pan, he talks about how he loves stabbing pirates and killing them. And he, like, watches well, them die. Pirates and stuff. are bad people. Okay. You get in my point, though. I, why do I talk to you about things? I don't know. It's a good... I, because... Because a one-person show is not as entertaining. That is not necessarily true. Listen to Read Up for more one-man show. Anyway. Really? Because I saw Scott was on the third episode. You made it through two episodes without it. Are you just upset because you're not on on the show? I don't read. I know. That's why you're not on the show. (laughs) So, um... What were, what were we talking about? Peter being the angel of death. Well, I mean, the pirates are the evil people. Like, you should... I mean, I don't think you should kill anybody, but... No, I know. But, I mean, he's he's supposed to be, like, an eight-year-old, eight, ten-year-old kid. Yeah. And he's like, I just love killing people. That's not good. That's unhealthy. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's not. Okay. But... Just checking. Okay. Just checking. All right. Can I move on? on. Next movie, Ray, directed by Taylor Hackford, written by Taylor Hackford and James L. White, starring Jamie Foxx, Regina King, Kerry Washington, Clifton Powell, Harry Lennox, Terrence Howard, Warwick Davis, Bokeem Woodbine, Richard Schiff, Wendell Pierce, and Sharon Warren. Nominated for Best Picture, Directing, Editing, Costume Design, it won Best Actor for Jamie Foxx and Sound Mixing. The story is the life and career of Ray Charles from his humble beginnings in the South until he went blind at the age of seven into his rise to stardom in the 50s and 60s. It ends in the 70s because the director, quote, said nothing interesting happened to Ray Charles after this after this point. Well, it was nothing no, bad. Nothing, happened. nothing like, dramatic. He just, yeah, yeah. He just had continued success. That's right. Getting over the heroin addiction is essentially the problem in this movie. That's right. It actually reminded me of uh, Rocket Man that way, in which once Elton goes to rehab, rehab, yeah, that's it. That's there is no there is no trouble after that that we know of. That we know of right. that Elton is willing or not willing to share because mm-hmm. he's still alive and doing stuff. Yes, but uh, I mean Ray Charles was, was still alive, alive. Was alive when. The movie was conceived. He had them translate the script into Braille so he could read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I He died. I think he saw a cut of the movie. Yeah, he might have saw the first cut. Yeah. But he died not too long, not too long into the, into the aftermath of the movie. Right. Well, I had never seen Ray before. This was new. This was new for okay. me. I, I really enjoyed it. However, I will say that I could watch pretty much any movie about a musician and I want to watch the same story. 
oh, I started from nothing, and then someone recognized me, and then I had a problem with drugs, and then I either A, died, or B, got better at the end. Well, yeah, because if somebody starts off famous, it's not nearly as... Well, I mean, they could start, I mean, they could start off within a famous family or something like that. I mean, that right, normally but those, doesn't happen. Those are usually not... And my point is that it's basically the same story, and it's always like, oh, I got screwed by my manager. Oh, I, I hurt some of my friends, or I cheated on my spouse, or, you know, it's like, it literally happens to all of them. Every yes. single movie. Right. It's, that's the, why it's they, the same thing. That's why fame... That's why they've always said like fame is a double-edged sword like people it takes a certain kind of person to be able to handle the fame right and as movies have shown you if his history has shown you not a lot of people can make it through unscathed very few very few and ray charles is not one of those people right i think apart from let's say the the plot of the film being almost very by the numbers that yeah. way it doesn't really do anything interesting or different or special i think jamie fox's performance is outstanding yes he's got the mannerisms down he's he doesn't sound a lot like jamie fox which is usually hard for mm-hmm. actors to do i agree uh i i liked the the choice of the flashback scenes mm-hmm. being in brighter color because he can see. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he can see. Except for that one scene where he's starting to be blind. Yep. But it's still brighter color. I don't know if we needed the the cutbacks. I kind of always dislike when a movie kind of keeps just going back and forth through the timeline. I feel like you could have just started the movie a little bit slower and and shown enough of his childhood in a few scenes to get the same to get to the same place a lot quicker. Um yes, except that his overcoming his so but they the the movie is structured in that as he loses his, as like he loses his sight and he's dealing with the death of his brother that maybe he could have helped him maybe he couldn't. Um and then he, you know he's learning to figure out life while being blind as a kid that's that's paralleled with his decline into heroin and then his rise out of it going to rehab they're they're like they're mashed together so right. you can watch him kind of overcome each obstacle at the same time yeah but it, like obviously he overcame one obstacle like he's still around although <laughs> the way the movie goes you kind of it kind of just leads you to because of his past is why he turned to heroin. Yes, and that's I, correct. And I mean, again, it's it's kind of a by the number situation. That's right. Oh, I'm sad. I'm going to do- right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do heroin. Right. And it's not like he. And it's not even like he thinks heroin's that good because he prevents other people around him from doing it. That's right. You know, one of his girlfriends wants to. Take it with him, and he's like, "No, this is not good things." Like, Regina King, she's excellent, right? In this film. Well, she's excellent in all films, but you know. Uh, so I thought the look of the movie was was very on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the music is great. I liked how it's. I liked how different eras of his life are kind of um, chaptered out with songs like the the record label mm-hmm. kind of coming in and saying like this is the era because this is the song that came yeah. out do you like or dislike that 
it's Ray Charles singing and not Jamie Foxx. Because it's Jamie Foxx playing. But it is Jamie Foxx playing. I don't I don't mind. I don't honestly care. Like it's not a musical. No, it's, it's not. If it's, it's a musical, I would care more. Yep. Whereas this is just a movie about a famous person. While Jamie Foxx has has sung and can sound like Ray Charles, he does so on the Kanye West song um, "Gold Digger." Mm-hmm. It's not it's not really needed for me in this movie. I will say though, he wins an award despite that because to me, like, it's a very big part of the character he's playing that he's not doing. Mm-hmm. So while you could make the argument he re- he deserves the best picture for for looking and acting so much like Ray Charles I would say there's a flip side to that of the biggest part of well one of the two biggest parts of this of this character is he can sing and he can play piano mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx only does half of that That's right he plays the piano So is that a big enough detriment to not give him an award because he's not playing the entire character? No. I don't know. Um, I don't... I think he still leaps ahead of, say, the other leading actors in their categories. Mm. So, like, we'll say, like, Depp plays a real-life figure, too, as does Leonardo DiCaprio. But to me, I felt like like I'm watching Johnny Depp play J.M. Barry, and I'm certainly watching Leonardo DiCaprio play Howard Hughes. But I forgot I was watching. I forgot I was watching Jamie Foxx, and part of that might be because they used Ray Charles' real voice when he sang. Mm-hmm. So it made me actually believe that it was Ray Charles more because right. it wasn't his voice. Now I will say, you get. I will. I will agree with you that Jam Barry and Johnny Depp. I see Johnny Depp playing Jam Barry because there's no there's no change in his. There's no change in his face. I think he does a good job disguising his voice. The Scottish accent. Right. And and being in the character, but his face obviously gives him away. Whereas Johnny uh whereas Leonardo DiCaprio in Aviator, he's Leonardo DiCaprio cannot disguise his voice at all. He's always gonna sound like Leonardo DiCaprio, which I think is a really big detriment to him. Because while I believe, while I see him being better in Aviator than he is in most movies, you're right. Jamie Foxx, because of the glasses, because of being blind, and because of a lot of things, looks more, acts more like Ray Charles, and it helps me believe that he is Ray Charles and not just Jamie Foxx. And I think some of that is like he's wearing glasses a lot. He's wearing sunglasses a lot of the time. He's wearing prosthetics over his eyes too. No. He, yeah. He, no, he glued him shut. Ew, that's horrible. That's yeah. even worse. I thought he was wearing prosthetics over his eyes to look like he had closed eyes. No. Nope. So he was well, nope, I, he was he was literally blind. I mean, he would have been if he had prosthetics over his eyes too. <laughs> See, given the Oscar for that. <laughs> glued his yeah, eyes. glued your eyes shut. Here's a statue. Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. We used super glue. <laughs> sorry. You're, 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 but the, I mean, 
the Oscars, one thing. Will he get the Rewindy is the most important question. Well, actually, that's a good point because the Oscars, one thing, but there's quite a number of good actors coming up in the next three films. So There, there really is. So let's talk about them. No, no. We're going to talk we, about I fun was facts. just going to say after fun facts. Yeah, sure you were. I actually was, but you jumped on it. Obviously. So one of them, Jamie Foxx played the piano in all the scenes. Nailed it. Knew that. Second one, Jamie Foxx had his eyes glued shut for 12 hours a day with silicone to immerse himself in the role. That's crazy. Yeah, a little bit. That's crazy. A little bit. Upon winning the Academy Award, Jamie Foxx became the first actor to win the Best Actor Academy Award for a performance in a music-slash-musical film since Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. Coming up this season. Uh, 1964, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. As well as the first actor to win an award for a musical sl- for a music slash musical biography film based on the life of a musical legend since James Cagney for Yankee Doodle Dandy. Also this year, no, no that's nineteen forty three. I oh, I was so close. No, not it's even next season. Yeah. That would be next season then. No, that no, would is be. it the forty three awards? Because you said four right. for My Fair Lady, so it's actually because the five. you were right on that. One, oh, okay. So. That's so confusing. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, great. Great. Good fun facts. Yes. I knew two of them, so actually just okay fun facts. <laughs> hey, these are these are a little bit happier than the last episode. They're happier than last movie. <laughs> well, I mean, they're happier than any movie, really. Aren't they just, though? Next movie, Sideways, directed by Alexander Payne, written by Alexander Payne, based on and Jim Taylor, based on the novel by Rex Pickett, starring Paul Giamatti. Thomas Hayden Church, Virginia Madsen, and Sandra Oh, nominated for Best Picture, Supporting Actor for Church, Supporting Actress for Madden, and Directing for Pain. This movie won Adapted Screenplay. Plot is two men reaching middle age, which not uh, with not much to show for it, embark on a week-long road trip through California's wine country as about Thomas Hayden Church's character is about to be married. Married. Marriage. It's what brings them together. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who's to say? Have you ever seen? Have you seen Sideways before? I saw Sideways when it first came out. I had okay. seen most of these movies when they first came out. Sideways is great. Sideways is good. I think it's great. I think it's good. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's very indie of its time. If that makes sense, it's still indie of its time now. Uh, yes and, yes and no. Well, yes, I think it, it's not as, I think it's like kooky for its time, but in indie now, there'd also be like some like. There'd be oh, a hipster soundtrack. There'd be a hip- Right, right. you, yeah. Juno. Yeah, something like, actually, yeah, Juno is, Juno is really important for independent film. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Okay, I know you're over <laughs> it. Juno's great. Anyway. Juno's okay. Juno's great. <laughs> Uh, so, I I think that a film about two middle-aged men trying to figure out life in two very different capacities is a really old story that doesn't get old. No, I mean, it's essentially what we do with this podcast. We're not middle-aged. Well. You're middle-aged. <gasps> <laughs> My ego. <laughs> Wow, you want to stop and think about that for a second? No, nope, like, not really. No, okay. 
Like, go out and buy a motorcycle after this. Please don't. (laughs) Please don't. We have to go see Hamilton. (laughs) Please don't. Anyway, I'm not going to Hamilton on your motorcycle. So, I think, I think, though, you could say the story is, is by the number, independent by the numbers or whatever. I think it's immensely entertaining and sad in a dark kind of way. Or, I mean, it's it's funny in a dark kind of way. It's not sad in a dark kind of way. That's just horrible. It's just sad. That's just sad. Then sad is our word. We should get a dictionary or a thesaurus. Learn some new words. It's depressing. It's sad. It's sad. <laughs> Sad's easier to say. It really is. Anyway. time. It does. So uh, who do you like better, Paul Giamatti or Thomas Hayden Church? Paul Giamatti. Yeah? Is it just in general? Just in general. And you're not a big Thomas Hayden Church fan? I mean, he's okay. What's his he best also film? looks incredibly if you, old. If you don't say George of the Jungle, no, you're Spider-Man wrong. 3. <laughs> he looks like he's nearing 60 in this movie. So how he... Like, nearing de- 60? Like, how he de-aged for Spider-Man 3 is beyond me. It's not that far after... Also, he put on a lot of muscle for Spider-Man 3. Not that he didn't have any in this sand. movie. Put on a lot of sand. Yes. yes. Yes, indeed. It gets everywhere. Wow, in a different weird universe, we just watched a movie. Uh, we just watched a movie about the rhino and Sandman doing a yes, a, a, a wine country road trip. It was funny because I texted you and I was like, "Remember when Paul Giamatti used to get nominated for awards?" And you're like, "And then he was Rhino in Amazing Spider-Man Two, and that all ended. It all ended for him. Though he was on Billions for a while. That's what he was doing with his time. Yeah." On Showtime. Anyway, I think this movie this movie is not for everybody. It is for a very particular crowd. But I think that... Wine snobs. <laughs> wines. I did learn a lot about wine tasting, actually. I, st- I think it's funny because you texted me and you were like, I can't decide if I'm Paul. <laughs> this movie's or- about us. I can't, ima- I can't figure out who's who. After watching the movie, I don't want to be Thomas Hayden Church in this movie. I'd rather be Paul Giamatti. I mean, to be fair, when I, when I texted you that... I was like, you're Paul Giamatti, because I texted you it literally at the scene where he's explaining to Thomas Hayden Church how to sip a glass of wine. Oh, yeah, that's me. And I was like, that's just Tim on the podcast. That's like, correct. Like, the, the movie has this and this, and the lighting through the aperture in, you <laughs> know, around aperture. 2 o'clock, <laughs> around 2 o'clock caused this, and I'm just like, no, the movie sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, I like when he's sipping he's sipping the wine and he was like no it's like swill this is nothing Thomas Hinchard's like it's pretty good to me <laughs> like I mean to be fair he was trying to hook up with Sandra Oh at the time so. I mean who was wonderful in this film she was I like I I find it odd that she is not nominated she's the only one not nominated out of the four Paul Giamatti was nominated uh, I thought you said no it was just Church and Madsen oh okay. Well, then. Madden, not Madsen. Michael Madsen is not in this movie. <laughs> no, this is not a uh, Tarantino film. It is not. So I, I'm i actually surprised. Paul Giamatti, I think, should have been nominated. I agree. He was he was excellent. Thomas Hayden Church is... I The reason I believe Thomas Hayden Church gets nominated is because this is his breakout role. Um, his character... Talks about how like he kind of moved into voiceover work. He's an actor, mm-hmm. moved into voiceover work. That essentially is where Thomas Hayden Church is at his career in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. He was an actor, and he kind of moved into 
voiceover work. I believe this is before SpongeBob, though. Or who was he in SpongeBob? Isn't he um, Patrick? I don't think so, but I will look that up. He is a very famous um, animated character, and I'm pretty sure it's Patrick Star. Patrick Star, who's a starfish. Yes, very good. Very good. I get the name now. Um, Easy A, Tombstone, Lobster Johnson. (laughs) I mean, what kind of order are you looking at his thing? Just, um, oh, those were the ones he was known for the oh, most, right. and then it, and then it immediately went into the films he was most recently in: Spider-Man Three, Charles Webb, Over the Hedge, Spanglish, Spanglish. He was Killer Moth in Teen Titans. Oh yeah, he was. George of the Jungle, Lyle Vandegroot. Nope, he is yeah, not. You could have, you he could have just SpongeBob. typed in SpongeBob, and that would have been a lot easier. He is not in SpongeBob. Okay. You're a liar. You're thinking of Clancy Brown. Who is Mr. Krabs? Money, 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 money. Right. Money. You're thinking of a completely different human. But in any event, he did transla- He did transition into voiceover work. He started off really well known for Wings as Lowell the Mechanic. And I think because he goes from Lowell the Mechanic, which is, which is essentially who he's always known for, up until Sideways, is the reason he gets nominated. Because he's about as far away from that character as humanly possible. I don't dislike Thomas Hayden Church in this movie. I dislike his character. But I think otherwise his acting is is fine. I don't see why he gets the nomination over Paul Giamatti. I, I don't know. I also don't know what you're talking about with voiceover work because I just went through his entire filmography and he's barely in anything animated. You just said he was in Teen Titans. Once. One episode. That's okay. still an episode. That's not a real transition. He's on divorce with Sarah Jessica Parker. Now. Now. But anyway, that's interesting. I didn't realize that if they were looking at his career as kind of meta. I was kind of looking at it as, you know, like if if you're going to look at this film, like, okay, why, why are you nominated? If you're looking at Miles, who's Paul Giamatti's character, he's kind of like he's aging out. Like he's he's at his middle age point. He says, if you don't have money by our age, then you're less than any, you know, like you're not even worth someone's time. And so he's kind of aging out, kind of like a wine turns sour after some time. And so and then he has all this love for Pinot Noir, which he talks about being notoriously hard to harvest, just kind of like he's difficult to that's a, that's a work really with and scene. be alive. Yeah. And so all the all the wine is kind of is kind of reflective of is is reflective of them and how you taste it and what you do with it and how you grow it and how and like the longevity of the wine. And then And how he hates Merlot. And how he hates if they're oh if we order Merlot, I'm leaving. Okay, okay, okay. Um but then they have this little then they have this little tag of a separate piece where somebody I can't remember why somebody reads this as I could not escape oh because Paul Giamatti's character is a um an English a middle school English teacher yeah and the kids are reading a book out loud and now they're like, oh I wonder what book that is so I looked it up and it's a separate piece it says I could not escape the feeling that this was my own funeral and you should not cry in that case and so and a separate piece is about a man like going back to his prep school and like recollecting about the choices that he made with his friends and like where those decisions kind of led him on the path that he's at now and everything like that well that's basically what this movie is except they use they use wine country for that instead yeah but he kind of but 
as opposed to some of the other films that don't end necessarily hopefully this one like he goes he goes to knock on the door like this opportunity like he goes to see about a girl he goes to see about a girl you know son of a bitch stole my line yep. you know and he goes to you know he, like he goes to knock on that door of opportunity at the end of the film which kind of sets it slightly apart from the other films that it it's it's like it's a struggle but it ends not happy, but with an opportunity, and I like that. No, because her boyfriend's on the other side of the door. You won't know that. I do. Tell me, is that one of your fun facts? No. Yeah, the the extra scene they decided to omit because <laughs> yeah, right. the door knocking like, was a better ending. It, it really was. Okay. Do you have some? So I mean, hmm. every uh, Paul Giamatti's good in this movie. Virginia Madsen. See, here's the is, thing. I think she's good too, but I don't know if she's like nominated like nomination best and i really like virginia madden she's very good i don't i think she is i think she is because she's given more to do than sandra oh than sandra oh that's definitely true you know although i think sandra oh should get nominated just for being sandra oh for beating the heck out of thomas hayden church that's a great scene with her bike helmet it's a great scene so i mean that being said this movie is about one person I intensely dislike mm-hmm. in Thomas Hayden Church is character. Maybe it's because you see a lot of yourself in him. I mean, I hate myself, so that's very possible. Mm-hmm. And then one person I only kind of dislike in Paul Giamatti's character. <laughs> and I dislike Paul Giamatti's character slightly just because of the wine snobbery. Like that, like that kind of person mm-hmm. is just grates on my personality so much. Sure, sure. Other than that, the movie is funny at times. It is really funny at times. Mm-hmm. And the pacing is okay for an indie film. What does that mean? I mean, the movie is under two hours. Yep. Doesn't feel like it's a five-hour movie, which is a plus for an indie film. Really boxing a lot of indie films all together. Yeah. Halloween is an indie film. Does that feel like five hours? Sometimes. That's strange. You don't actually believe that. You just want to stick to your original point. Sometimes. Sometimes you want to stick to your original point. But I don't know. Now I lost my train of thought. And now I'm just thinking Think about, about trains. trains. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to fun facts. Okay. Great. Once feel I free, feel free to reroute and come back to sideways at yeah. any time you want. By the way, the person I was thinking about for Patrick Starr was uh, Dauber on Coach. So I knew he was a very famous TV actor. Gotcha. So I win. Gotcha. I don't think so. No, I do. I don't really think The house where oper- Miles retrieved Jack's wallet was being used as a meth lab up until a few weeks before filming when it was busted by the police. Its interior was left essentially as is because the location scouts thought it was perfect for the scene. That's great. Yes. That's very indie. (laughs) Paul Giamatti um, admitted to faking every bit of wine knowledge and not understanding why anybody would care about it. He also claims he was shocked that he was cast in a lead role and initially thought it was a practical joke. Well, that says a lot about his career up until this point. The... um, Thomas Hayden Church's fiance's family. Mm-hmm. Their house is located directly opposite O.J. Simpson's famous North Rockingham home at the time of the murder of his ex-wife and Ron Goldman. Wow. Yeah. 
It was a nice house. It was. Indeed. I like that they like make him have the the chocolate and like the the um the cake. Like come in, we're no, we have to leave. No, 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 you're going to have the wedding cake and tell us what you, you think. You need to tell us which wedding cake you like. Mm-hmm. And what wine should we pair with it? Actually, I don't think they asked him that. They did in a deleted scene. Ah, wonderful. Next up, The Aviator, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by John Logan, starring, here we go, a lot of people getting ready, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Blanchett, Kate Beckinsale, John C. Riley, Alec Baldwin, Alan Alda, Ian Holm, Danny Houston, Gwen Stefani, Jude Law, Adam Scott, Matt Ross, Brent Spiner, and Willem Dafoe. Whew. Most of those people are only in like a scene. Yeah, Jude Law especially is only in one scene. And, and I actually have Matt it. Ross out at the bottom list, but he's in the whole movie. Yeah. But people don't know who Matt Ross is, so I didn't want to. the guy from Friends. No. That's Matt LeBlanc slash Ross, the character name played by David Schwimmer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's from Friends. Matt Ross is the director of Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen. And sorry. he is on um, Silicon, Silicon Valley. Never seen it. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. You're missing out. Both things, actually. Although you would hate Silicon Valley. Don't watch it. You would You would not like it. It's a great show. Don't watch it's it. It's not for you. You wouldn't like it. Nominate, this movie was nominated. The Aviator was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for DiCaprio, Supporting Actor for Alda, Directing, Original Screenplay, and Sound Mixing. It won Best Supporting Actress for Kate Blanchett, Cinematography for Robert Richardson, Editing, Art Direction, and Costume Design. It is the biopic depicting the early years of director and aviator and inventor Howard Hughes from the 20s to the 40s and his slow and unsubtle decline with his struggles with OCD. Yes. Mm -hmm. OCD and being very crazy. I mean, he was a... Howard Hughes was a he was a guy. I mean, to be fair, this movie starts off with his mom telling him, "You're unsafe. You'll never be safe. You're gonna die." That would kind of, I mean, that would stick in somebody's head. I would imagine, yeah. But it is so. We're never gonna watch a Howard Hughes film again on this on this podcast. I really want to see Hell's Angels. I know we, it gets nominated for Best Cinematography. It does not get nominated for Best Picture, so it won't be on here. He did um, produce oh the Racket, which we did see. It was one of the first mob one of the first mob films. It was a silent film. We had a really hard time. Okay, yeah. I think it was the first season. That's a that's a that's a Howard Hughes film. Okay, and so we will not get to end. So this is basically as close as we're getting to a Howard Hughes movie again. Aww. I know this movie is great. It's yes. really long, but it's great. It is not really long. It's 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 a shade. It's two it's, hours and forty five minutes. That we've seen longer. Sure. We've also seen shorter movies that felt longer. Yeah, of course. I did think that this. I did think that it. I did think that it felt slightly too long. Like I needed it to. I needed it to pick up the pace just a little bit in some sections. Nah, you're crazy. It depends. Well, just like Howard. Um, what I really enjoyed about this film, two things. Well, I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed the information that I have by doing Academy Rewind that I like, so then like I recognized a lot of the names and the people that popped up and I was like, Oh geez. Okay. Did you catch, did you catch the, the Errol Flynn reference during the fight at the, uh, 
at the Tropic, I think, is where they are. I, besides so, the fact that he was fighting and he's Errol Flynn. Right. So. Jude Law, Errol Flynn. Right. When, when Jude Law's Errol Flynn goes to, ta- to start a fight with somebody, as they're, as they're panning, as they're panning away, as mm-hmm. they're pulling, as they're pulling the shot away and kind of starting to, to transition the scene, you hear the guy shout, come on, Captain Blood. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. No, I totally missed that. Oh, it was so good. That's good. This is easily my favorite Martin Scorsese film. Oh, really? Easily, hands down. I don't love gangster movies. I don't either. And part of the issue with me is if if you're going to have people that you kind of want me to root for in a movie, mm-hmm. don't make them lawbreakers. Sure. Like I mean, it's it's you fit right into the PCA and the the production code of the production code association. I mean kind of like I wouldn't stop those movies from existing. I would just feel like I don't care about them. Like they're, sure. yeah, they're, they're breaking the law. It's a sed- I think we talked about it when mm-hmm. we did um Bonnie and Clyde. Yep. Like essentially the 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 quote unquote heroes of the film, the people that you're supposed to be rooting for are breaking the law. And it's not like it's one of those like it's it's during prohibition and they should still be allowed to have a drink. No, they're killing people. Mm-hmm. I don't care and that's that's one of my biggest f- reasons I dislike a lot of, not dislike, but I don't care a lot about of Martin Scorsese films because he's always, he does a lot with, anti-heroes is a really bad term because Taxi Driver, the guy is not an anti-hero. People look at him as such, but he's not. Mm-hmm. But he's always... Yeah, they forget about the, the creepy things he does be- yeah, before He's always focusing on these characters that are not good people and kind of making them the star of the film. Yep. That I just don't care about. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care if they live or die because they're breaking the law. Howard Hughes is not. Howard Hughes is the exact opposite. He's a guy with really grand plans who struggles with... with Who always struggles with um, OCD. But it becomes very, like... he it, it kind of explodes in this movie. And there are times that you really feel for him because... You can see the struggle he's going through because of it. Mm-hmm. There's a you know there's a scene where he's in the bathroom with a guy who's on crutches. Yep. Who asks him to hand him a towel and he can't, and he's like, "I'm really sorry, I can't." And you can see the guy doesn't really like believe him. And I like you can, I'll say this for DiCaprio, like the pain in his face. Where he's like, I can't. Like, I believe him. Like, mm-hmm. I believe something is psyche is his psychosis is not allowing him to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why DiCaprio does such a great job in this. Aside from that, I also remember the time when John C. Riley used to get nominated for movies. Mm. Yeah, and then he started hooking up with Will Ferrell, and that kind of killed his killed his dramatic career. It did, yeah. It I did. guess it. Did. I guess I don't know the yeah. last time that I saw him in a dramatic film. Um, I think he's done one not too long ago, but he's also really good in this film. This film gives me everything that I want from a biopic. It gives me the information that I need for the character. It doesn't start. 
it doesn't start in random places just to give me random background. And it does enough to keep me up to date with what's going on. I love I love seeing the production of Hell's Angels. Mm-hmm. And I could probably watch an entire movie just on the making of that movie, I think. I think so, too. I think that's partly... So this so the the film is called the Aviator because it's through the lens of of his aviation company, right? Like it's all about it's really about the planes, right? Him I, buying TWA, him mm-hmm. trying to develop a spy plane, right? Pan, Pan Am coming after him, yeah, because of their competition, things like that. And so it's but it's it's so much more than that. The title is almost misleading, you know, because it's just like that's because he he had his hands in so many things. But he ultimately thought of himself as an aviator. That's right. That and was his first even love. The, where he crashes the spy plane and he's on fire. He even tells the guy on how it used the aviator. That's right. Now, I think, I mean, all, all that is true. I think there are two things we haven't touched on that are important for this film. One is the cinematography because Scorsese colored the film as you would see color at the era in which color was starting to get introduced Correct. into yes. film that is through that time. Facts. Is your fun one of those yeah. fun facts? Well, it's it goes a, into a little bit like uh, what precisely he did. Oh, good. Okay, good. Because I'm not going to talk about that. But it's not incredibly noticeable at first because it, you start like when you started off with Hell's Angels, when I find it the most jarring, when all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, something's different, is one in the Copa. Yeah. Um, and then two, when he's playing golf. Copa, it's the Tropic. The Tropic. Um, Copa was in New York. New York, yeah. Um, Ricky Ricardo, Desiarnes, gotcha. Yes, even though they filmed it in L.A., that's fine. Doesn't matter. He really played there. That's the important part. Yeah. Um, the um, and when he was playing golf with Catherine Hepburn, yes, and the grass is like kind of green but blue, and then everything is all over the. It's very cool. But if you didn't know what he was doing, mm-hmm. you'd almost be like, "What is happening?" What is happening right now? I will say it's jarring, but at the same time, unless you unless you know the different eras of movies or have done film school to pick up on those technical details, I could see it being missed by the average moviegoer. I think most of it is easily missable. I think the the golfing scene is where it's it's the most noticeable. Where mm-hmm. there's a there's a huge difference in there's a huge difference in in how the scenes are colored, yeah. but I think it's cool. And it's, it's not, I like it because it's not necessary. Like it serves no plot purpose of the film. It's really just for the love of Hollywood. It's for the love of Which movie making. Scorsese always has. Yeah, I know. And that's what I like. I like about him. All right. So the next thing that is the best thing in the entire world is Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn. Hello, darling. <laughs> it's my Catherine Hepburn. I like that you're, your impressions are really just two words. Like, you don't say multiple sentences as that character. Well, I could do the entire review, but then no one would... Then we would get flooded with emails like, why do you even have Tim on? You could just do different voices. I thought you said that solo shows were boring. Yeah, but I can do multiple voices. Oh, sure. So it's like multiple people. Okay, go ahead. No, it's fine. No. I mean, I could do an entire review as Stitch. How? Say more things about the aviator as Stitch. Well... I thought Catherine Hepburn has incredibly annoying voice. She does. 
Uh, my darling. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, yes, of course. Know. Who did you vote for in the last election? She now, people want to know. She sounds like an old-timey newspaper. Press. Yeah. yeah, she sounds like somebody's got... Stop the, the presses. Howard Hughes, are we going to sleep together tonight? I must know. I'm planning my schedule. Love, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. <laughs> she wrote it down for some <laughs> She reason. wrote it down for some yeah. reason. <laughs> right, because she's the news. I don't know. Catherine Hepburn is great, and Kate Blanchett is just as talented as Catherine Hepburn, if not more talented. Potential sacrilege, who's to say? And I think uh, she does. She does an excellent, I, excellent. Job. I do also like we see like the start of her relationship with Spencer Tracy. Yeah, I like that too. But also because Academy Rewind, I'm like, oh, Spencer Tracy. I haven't seen you in a movie in like two seasons. Where have you been? Well, we're not that far back yet. Did we saw him in like two movies last year? I don't think so. I don't think he was in any movies last season. Oh, I'm pretty sure he was. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. The, the, by the time the season is released, I do, I'm so far into the next season, I'm not thinking I, about the previous I do one. also like that Howard Hughes, even though he's no longer with Catherine, pretty much bullies a reporter into not releasing an expose on her relationship with Spencer Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. Because Howard Hughes is a a weird guy, but he was cool. He was. He was cool. The inspiration for Tony Stark. Howard yes. Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, Stan Lee said that. that yeah, because Stan Lee couldn't do anything original. He had okay. to steal stuff. Okay. I don't think basing a character off of somebody that you if <laughs> if you if you get on Stanley's case for basing Tony Stark, Iron Man, off of Howard Hughes, then you also have to get on J.M. Barry's case for basing Peter Pan off of that kid. Yeah, but his name wasn't Peter. Yeah, but it was. No, no, he just based the name off of Peter. Tony Stark's name is not Howard Hughes. Isn't it, though? No, it's not. It wasn't also just, like, his personality. It was his look. The mustache, the slick back hair. Yes, because the little boy everything. named Peter didn't look anything like the little boy named Peter Pan. Nope. That's why Peter Pan is always played by a woman. On the stage show. Right. Because they're supposed to be playing a boy. Right. Right. A young boy. Yeah. You're not going to win this one. This I'm one. always going to win this I one. I don't think this is this is one you can't win. No. Because yeah. there's, some, there's literally a movie in here that Stanley's negates your point that we already talked no, about. No. Mm-hmm. Anyway, can you do some fun facts for the aviator, please? I can. Are you going to do them right now? I'm going to do them right now. Fun fact, Stanley was a hack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny. Palmer's not really around because this is something he actually believes. So you can direct all your hate mail to at Academy Rewind at, at Twitter. <laughs> On Twitter. <laughs> Director Martin Scorsese requested that Kate Blanchett watch the first 15 movies of Catherine Hepburn to learn her mannerisms and poise. Hmm. She did a good job at it, too. She did. I thought so. Mm-hmm. Ah, darling, she did an excellent job at it. Darling, who did you vote for in the last election? <laughs> Two scenes were filmed aboard the retired ocean liner RMS Queen Mary, permanently birthed... Birthed? Really? <laughs> In Long Beach, that's California. Why, to that's take why ad- you have to write your own. <laughs> to take advantage of the vessel's still existent 1930s Art Deco interiors. The Hells Angels rap party was filmed in the ship's ob- observation bar. The scene introducing the H-4 Hercules, Spruce Goose, scale model to the military, was shot in the former first-class main lounge, now called the Royal Saloon. The real Spruce Goose was displayed 
in a domed hangar adjacent to the Queen Mary from 1980 to 1992. Oh, that's cool. The Spruce Goose is one of the planes that he created for those who are not in the know. No, the Hercules was the name of the plane. It was mockingly referred to as the the Spruce Spruce Goose. Goose. I know, but everyone knows it as the Spruce Goose. No, everyone knows it as the Spruce Moose from Simpsons. Spruce Moose. It's a lovely model, sir. Model? Director Martin Scorsese designed each year in the movie to look just the way a color movie from that time period would look. Achieved mainly through digitally enhanced post-production, Scorsese recreated the look of sin color in two-strip technicolor. Watch in particular for the scenes where Howard Hughes meets Errol Flynn in the club. Hughes is served precisely placed peas on a plate, and they appear in blue or torque. Or turquoise. I think it's pears he gets, not no, peas. peas. 12 oh. peas. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 because Errol Flynn takes, takes one. Takes one, and then right. he's like, well, the entire plate is ruined. He's such an idiot. Why would you just take a pea? I also thought they were blueberries in the film because they're blue. They're very small. I thought they were small blueberries. Hmm. I don't know. When you, Although I don't think we get the sense that Errol Flynn really knows Howard Hughes. Enough to just take a pee. Definitely But, not. I mean, if like if you're I, out with friends. I think it's more that Errol Flynn just did what Errol Flynn wanted to do right. because he's Captain Blood. But, I mean, if you're out with friends, you, you people sure. will randomly take stuff off. Yeah, days. of course. But I think the point is that they yeah. don't know each other, and he did it anyway. A precisely placed piece on a plate, and they appear in blue or turquoise, just as they would have looked in two-strip Technicolor process. As Hughes ages throughout the movie, the color gets more sophisticated and full-bodied. That's excellent. That's good. I have a fun fact. Did you know that Kate Beckinsale, who played Ava Gardner in this film, gained 20 pounds to play her? Yes. And she still looks like she would break in a br- like a strong breeze. Eh, I don't like Kate Beckinsale. I was like, how? I was gonna say, like, how skinny were you before this movie? Because she's so immensely skinny in this movie. She's not that skinny. I think she's. I mean, she's, she's like, healthy in this movie. No, I'm maybe not saying that's what she, it is. I'm not saying she's overweight. She's healthy looking. Like, I mean, it's the it's the classic thing of nowadays Marilyn Monroe would be considered overweight. Yeah, that's or a, good. a plus size model. She's healthy. No, like, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. Kate Beckinsale was brought on at the last second. It was supposed to be somebody else, and they couldn't do it. So she, yes. she was brought on. You don't like Kate Beckinsale, but you're a big Underworld fan. No, I am not. Yes, you are. This goes against everything that I know about you. I, then you don't know a thing about me. I hate Kate Beckinsale because of Underworld. Well, this is something we're going to have to get into at another time. We don't have time for Underworld right now. This is what we're going to talk about on the way to Hamilton. Yeah, because I want to know how you think I like Underworld. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Anyway, Million Dollar Baby, directed by Clint Eastwood, written by Paul Haggis, based on the story, uh, the stories of the book Rope Burns by FX Tool. Leave it to Paul Haggis to write a very happy-go-lucky movie. Oh, wasn't it just, though? Starring Clint Eastwood, Hilary Swank, Morgan Freeman, Anthony Mackie, Jay Bierschall, Mike Coulter, and Michael Pina. You're really stretching on some of these on the word starring. Yeah, well, I like to say the names that people will recognize outside of, like... So it's basically like, who can you see in the movie? This is Michael Coulter's first film. Did you know that? He made another film? Yeah, he was on He was on The Good Wife for that's a while. A, that's a TV show. No, I'm thinking of, like, what his... 
Well, yeah, he was in that um, that movie about the kid who falls in the ice. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Yeah, yeah he was. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I know because I couldn't remember the name of it. Anyway, and uh, nominated for supporting actor for Eastwood adapted screenplay and editing. This movie won best picture. Actress for Swank, supporting actor for Freeman, and directing for Eastwood. Plot is a determined Morgan Freeman won for this movie? I know. I want to talk about that. A determined woman works with a hardened box a boxing trainer to become a professional. And then this is stuff goes around. Old man talking gravelly the movie. Oh, isn't it just though? I'm not a big Clint Eastwood fan. That is well documented on this I podcast. I'm gonna do this entire movie in this voice. Okay. Alright, you do lie it. Alright. Okay. okay. Do I also have to do a voice? Because I no, you started to do the voice of Hillary Swank, though. Oh, I can be a boxer. Don't tell me I can't be a boxer. I'll be a boxer. I was a karate kid, damn it. <laughs> oh, but karate is not boxing. This is a totally different. This is a totally different type of movie. Now I'm trying. Now I'm a boxer trying to convince a, a teacher to do to show me how to punch people. This it's is, totally different than karate. This kid. is just a much sadder version of the next Karate Kid. Yeah, isn't it? Just there is no kids. I think that's the sad part. There. Well, well, I mean the the guy who wanted to be the welterweight champion of the world was kind of a kid. Jay Baruchel. Yeah. Why yeah. do I know him? He's Hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Um, he was going to be Maxwell Lord in George Miller's Justice League movie. Oh, thank God that never happened. <laughs> <sighs> he was also in The Girl Next Door? No. Every day, I thank God so, that movie doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, although it wouldn't have been as bad as the actual Justice League movie. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, you, you don't know. Sometimes yes. grass is... Release the Snyder Cut. Anyway. Oh, my God. Anyway. Anyway. This movie... This movie is... I think it's very good. It's... I, it's... I think it's... I think it's very good. I think it's well acted. It's got a good story. But I think it's also like Finding Neverland, where this, it's not really... It's like the sum of its parts don't really extend beyond itself. Yeah. I, going back to my point with Finding Neverland, I th- I honestly think this wins because it's like, yeah, America, we're hopeful. Movie. And then she and then she gets paralyzed. And then everyone's like, oh, that's just like what would happen in 2005 America. And I think that's that's why that's why it wins because it like it like encapsulates the mood if and the... not necessarily because it's the best movie. All right. So let's you know, here's here's a fun exercise. You're a teacher, you like exercises of the mind, sure. Does this movie mm-hmm. win? Not if we place it in 2019. We're going to keep it in the same time period. But the internet, as we know it today, exists back then. And you can't go more than a week after this movie's out without knowing the twist. Does it win? No, probably not. Exactly. No, probably not. This movie wins because of the of the flip in an instant twist of her getting paralyzed. Right. I think it it's right because you think you're watching an inspirational sports movie and then all of a sudden you're watching a movie about assisted suicide. Right. Which I will also say the movie does kind of come to a screeching halt right around there. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily, and it's not based on whether or not you believe in in assisted suicide. The movie just kind of grinds to a halt. 
Mm-hmm. Yes and no. I think that I think that part of that is because you're you were watching action, and now you're watching. And now you're watching more. Still. Yeah. Now you're well, literally in some cases. In some cases, um, yeah. And now you're watching more of people just talking gravelly. Like I don't know how anyone could understand what. Between Clint Morgan Eastwood Freeman said most of this actually, movie. Even between Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood, I had to turn the closed captioning on. Be like, what? What are they saying? What? What? What are the words that they're using right now? Because I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all of that is true. I still think it's. I think it's. It's well. I think it's well structured. And I'm not saying it's not. It's. It's. It's a fine specimen of a movie. That once I saw it. I don't need to ever see it again. Is it like I had not seen this before? So is it, I had for I knew there was some kind. Of, I, I in my mind I knew there was some kind of twist, right? Or there was like I knew she got sick or she was in the hospital, but I couldn't remember what it was. I thought she was like maybe she has a like does she have a brain tumor or cancer? This is also the or... this is also the second Paul Haggis movie that we've done that has that kind of moment. What was the other I, one? Crash. Oh right, it was the previous year. Yeah. Previous season, previous but, season, <laughs> but a future. year in the future. Oh, God, Actually, no, so... they're they're filming Crash at the same time they're doing this movie. Crash didn't get a distribution until until the next year. Gotcha. Because one of my fun facts that year was about how he wins for both Crash and this somehow, and it's it's weird. That being said, when I first saw the movie, that moment is such a shocker that you gasp, and that is a credit to the movie. Going back and watching it when you know about the stool, you pick up on something and... He pushes her. (laughs) (laughs) You pick up on something that I'm actually surprised you going into the movie might not have picked up on. Or if you have, you haven't talked about it yet. The stool is prominently shown in every match except the one she hits her head on. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Like, you see him... Like, it's almost a point of reference throughout all the shots of him putting the stool underneath the bottom rope and then setting it up, which you could argue if, like, most of the time when I see in boxing, they put the stool over the top rope. Mm -hmm. And you could argue if he does that, she never, like, this never happens. That's correct. So he blames himself in some way. Which he should. Yes. Well, I think he blames himself because if he didn't agree to train her, right. then this obviously wouldn't have Although happened. this is also the only fight you see him have a second person in her corner, mm. and that guy's the one that's putting in the stool. Mm-hmm. So it's like, haha, it's your fault, new guy. It's You're new, fired. It's new guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so every shot you see, like every fight between every round, you see him physically picking in the stool and placing it. And this one, the shot is always just above the stool. Hmm. Well... See that's it's almost like watching the Sixth Sense for the second time, yeah. And like watching like oh they really don't see him. yeah they actually don't see right they actually don't see him that's interesting. You well, know. he does. He sees himself, but I didn't say that. No, Haley Joel Osment sees him. Oh sure, sure. I meant everybody, but right. the kid who sees dead people. Right. So you're saying the stool wasn't really there? This was just all in her mind? No. Oh, okay. why are you making this more confusing? Because I like to. That's confusing. I know. Anyway. I am an enigma wrapped in a riddle, which is really just a riddle wrapped in a riddle. But hey, who who's to say? 
It's not really. An enigma can be just a confounding question. It doesn't necessarily have to be a riddle. That's that's me all over. Confounding question. That's it. That's, in fact, your middle and last name. <laughs> You've changed it. Palmer, confounding question. So, sh- Hillary Swank is really good in this. Yes, she Hillary is. Hillary Swank is really good in a lot of things. What happened to Hillary Swank? Um, she did... Uh, Freedom Writers? She did. She did something on HBO... Oh, Temple Grandin. I don't remember that at all. Temple Grandin? The one about the autistic... No, that was Claire Danes. Okay. In any event, she was in Boys Don't Cry. Oh, sure. Okay. That's right. Which she also won an Academy Award for. She was in Next Karate Kid, which unfortunately she didn't win an Academy Award for. She should have. Yeah, I got that. That is her best role. (laughs) So this... I don't know. Yeah, this I think fine. It's okay. It is a very sad movie, which is what Paul Haggis does. I think you didn't like it again because you had never seen it for the first time. You know what I mean? Like you didn't see it and you knew about the twist. I think it all hinges on the sh- it all hinges on right. that shift in narrative. So, but that doesn't mean that it's that doesn't mean that it's any less good. It just means that it, it it's a one and done film. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's not the best film, though. It just means that it's it's a one oh, and done. We're whining, and I don't even dislike the film. I think the film's fine. I think the film's good. I think the film is written very well. Mm-hmm. And it's morally complex, which you don't get out of a sports movie that often. Or never. Well, I mean, I'm sure you do at some point. Like, best of the best two. Hold on, hold on. Rocky. Rocky 1. Rocky 2. Rocky 3. Rocky 4. Rocky 5. Rocky 6. Creed, Creed Two, for the love of the I, game. <laughs> I would say there's there's morally complex things in Rocky that you're just kind of glossing over. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just for the love of the game is so good. I love that movie so much. A league and of their Sam own. Raimi. Morally complex. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you believe women should have been playing baseball, I don't think that's morally complex. I just think they they should. Right, but for the time, sure. I mean, this is. I mean, a league of their own is not morally complex the way that million dollar baby is. And is the moral complexity of whether or not you think John Lovett should be given a gun on a train? No, never, never give John <laughs> Lovett a gun. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> Every time I gotta sit next to one of these guys. No, no, terrible idea. <laughs> Maybe I'm just too friendly. Morally complex. Is there crying in baseball? Is that okay? I mean, sometimes, yes. Sometimes. I he, I want to talk about Morgan Freeman's nomination and win here. Okay. Let's talk about it. I don't think he deserved it. I'm I'm okay with the nomination. I don't know who he's up against in the category. I just know who's up I, against in our category. I will I that's true. I will check, but this feels like it's one of those this to me feels like an award like Oh, we probably should have given it to him a long time ago, and we didn't, so here you no, go. No, they did. I believe he wins the award for Unforgiven, oh, which okay. is also a Clint Eastwood movie. Right. Yeah, this isn't his first Oscar. Okay. Uh, yeah, because he, he wasn't even nominated for Shawshank Redemption, and I think that's what many people kind of go to. Like, oh, yeah, Morgan Freeman, great quality actor, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, he Whatever. wasn't. That's he, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't nominated. 
It might have been a reverse thing. Like maybe someone finally decided, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have given it to him for Unforgiven, so we're gonna skip Shawshank Redemption. Unforgiven is nineteen ninety two. Something like that? Yeah, something. Okay. Nominated actors. It was um, Thomas Hayden Church for Sideways, Morgan Freeman for Million Dollar Baby, Jamie Foxx for Collateral. Clive, wow, he was so that means he was nominated for Best Actor and Supporting Actor yeah. in the same year. Clive Owen for Closer and Alan Alda for The Aviator. Mm, out of all of those. I see. Out of all of those, I'd probably give it to Morgan Freeman in no, this movie. No, out of all those, I'd give it to um, Alan Alda. Um, Clive Owen. Clive Owen for Closer. Yeah, maybe. Closer is such a good movie. Why was Closer not nominated? Because it was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I don't care. It should have been nominated for Best Picture. What movie would, we you, what movie would you take out and put in Closer? You'd take out Ray? Yeah. Mm. That is a character-driven movie, and while the acting is great, I think it's... If you take out a great acting job in that movie, it's just an okay movie. The acting right, it's, gets yeah, it nominated. I, I agree. It's a it's a by the it's a by the number film. We've talked about the, we've talked about this before. and it fits. Closer is a is a feel bad movie. So, oh my gosh, isn't it just though? I'm actually looking at Closer. It was nominated for two Oscars. It was um, both supporting Clive Owen and Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman should have also won for Closer. Well, do you want to see? Well, ah, uh, well, really, yes. really, yes. Out of yes, you don't even know what I was going to ask. Okay, go ahead. Name the other ones. There you go. Thank you. Let me see. Um. Oh wow, Sophie Okonedo for Hotel Rwanda. Okay, Kate Blanchett for The Aviator. Yep. Natalie Portman for Closer. Mm-hmm. Virginia Madsen for Sideways. Okay. And Laura Linney for Kinsey. Oh yeah. Wow. Why so, wasn't Kinsey nominated yeah. either? I mean, since you said that, it's it's definitely hands down Natalie Portman. It's still for Closer. Natalie, it's still Natalie yeah, Portman like, for you. Nah, like, she got it for Black Swan. She's fine. Right. That you know. Yeah. She deserves to have more awards. She deserves to have more awards. I don't know how Kieran Knightley's gone this long without having an award. She's only thirty. Two or thirty-three. Yeah, but if you notice, like she doesn't get like it's the Paul Giamatti thing. She doesn't get nominated anymore. Mm, maybe that's the choices. That maybe the but like Paul Giamatti. Maybe that's the movie she's in. Mm. Let me see. I'll do this again. Karen Knightley. This is why movie. This is why these episodes are long. By the way, because you make me do this. I never say why they're long. She was just nominated for supporting actress in the, the Intimidation Game in twenty fifteen. Did she win? No, she, but she didn't win for she didn't win for lead, she didn't win for uh, actress for Pride and Prejudice either. No, she should have. No, but I, I don't she think that's... Won for that she should have won, won for Atonement. Is what it really I was. Comes she wasn't down even to. No, she wasn't even nominated. I for know. Atonement. This is. I know. I know. I know. You're she wasn't nominated for the Nutcracker in the the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. All right, that was fine. <laughs> she wasn't nominated for Collateral Beauty or Everest. Or Jack Ryan. How is Collateral Beauty not nominated for all of the awards? Oh my God! This is why people don't take you seriously. I'm like, why I don't take you seriously? Collateral Beauty is one of the best movies of the 21st century. Yes, I remember seeing it with you. I remember crying throughout the entire movie. Yes, you were. You certainly were, weren't you? I was crying. Also, had Michael Pena. Why I spent my money on it. It did have Michael Pena. Actually, wasn't that bad. Truly, no, it was great. I wouldn't say it was it's one of the best great. Christmas movies of all time. Was, wasn't that also sad? 
Oh, it's tremendously. The entire movie's about a guy whose kid died of cancer. Oh, yeah. Now I remember the acting troupe and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who were actually angels. That's... It was great. Right. They were, but they weren't, but they are. Right. Well, you just spoiled that movie for two people who will watch it. Everyone should watch it. Okay, great. Stop listening to this episode and go watch Collateral Beauty. Okay. Can I go back to your question about um, does this movie get nominated or win in 2019? I mean, we can go back to any question. 20, to, like in 2005 right. with the internet as it is. I'm going to go I, – I keep my answer and I say no, but I also think that there's there'd be a bigger outcry about euthanasia. There was an outcry – all right. I remember when this movie came right, out. Right, but the, but it was harder to outcry in 2005 than I don't, it is now. I don't think you're right because we have two years ago we have. Um, well, maybe I'll put it. We have that secret euthanasia. Okay, but I mean we have that movie uh, from a couple of years ago with Amelia Clark. Be, me before you. Me before you, which is essentially the same ending. And I remember seeing a little about the euthanasia stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's as it's as much as a hot button. Sure, I agree, but you said in 2005. I don't think so. Yeah. I remember being a hot button. I remember it being a hot button when we were growing up, mm-hmm. because when we were at when we were when we were both at St. Mary's, I remember being taught about it. Yes, of course. So right. in, not in elementary school, we were in middle school. That I was in middle school at that point. We were taught about it. And that was right around the Dr. Kevorkian era. That, then it's a hot button issue. So because it had its moment in the sun so famously in the 90s, I think once you get past that, it's, it's kind of like you have people on both sides and people are just kind of, like you can complain about it if you want, but no one's really going to engage in the in the argument because they've already had this argument. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I'll give you that. I two things about this movie before we before we move on to the rewindies. One, I did. I wrote it down and I forgot. I went to look back at who, what actors were nominated, assist, supporting actors nominated during. Um, the 90s for Shawshank Redemption because Morgan Freeman wasn't nominated then, but he was nominated here. Martin Landau won for Ed Wood. Yeah, which he should have. Which I agree, even even though Shawshank Redemption is great. And he's How great. was Ed Wood? Was Ed Wood nominated for Best Picture? No, it Did wasn't. He, uh, it wasn't. But I want to watch the movie, though. You could watch it on your own. No, I don't have time. <laughs> and then I, would you call this – would you call Million Dollar Baby a true sports a movie? A feel-good movie? No. A sports movie. Yes. You would still call it a sports yep. movie. I wasn't sure if it's like a sports noir, if that makes sense, the way that it's lit. It's kind of like this like – Nori. Nori. Sports nori. Yeah. No, it's still a sports movie. It's just not the typical sports movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. And to you and your yep. fun facts. At age 74, Clint Eastwood became the oldest Best Director Oscar winner for the movie. Wow, good for him. Hillary Swank contracted a bacterial infection from a blister she developed on her foot during her training for her role. The infection was so severe, she almost had to be hospitalized for three weeks. Catching the infection in the nick of time, she instead chose to take a week off for medicated rest and didn't tell Clint Eastwood or the other producers of the film about the injury because she didn't believe it was in her character. Well, there you go. The first shot of Frankie and Scrap in the gym office was filmed with a split 
dot diopter lens. This is a close-up accessory lens cut half, so it changes the focal point of only half of the scene, allowing both the foreground on one side and the background on the other side to appear sharp. Brian De Palmer is famous for using this technique in his films. Oh, that's fun. And I, I noticed it because if you look at that scene, I'd actually... Do you want to go back and look at it? No, you don't have to go back and look at no, it. No, I said, did you go back and look no, at it? No, I, I noticed it when I was watching the movie and then found out about it afterwards. I was like, that makes sense. Mm. When you look at the scene, they are like perfectly clear, very sharp, and the rest of the room is very fuzzy. Whereas, like, on a normal thing, if, like, Clint Eastwood's talking, he would be a little bit fuzzy. That's right. And they would kind of change the focus as to who's talking. Mm-hmm. I did like the fact that they were both very sharp and, the, and like, the, the edges are fuzzy. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like that you pulled out a real film, like, a technical thing. I try to. It doesn't usually happen with the fun facts, though. No, that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was fun. Are you ready for the Rewindies? Yes. Are you actually ready for the Rewindies? I am always ready for the Rewindies. Studies show that is not true. Uh, oh. All right. You ready? Best actor. show. Rewindy. Show that you have one birthday. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Okay. The Rewindies, where we give awards for things that don't matter. Here we go. Or our awards don't matter for things that do matter. Either way, you're going to look at it. Best actor goes to you. Go ahead. Oh, Jamie Foxx. Oh, it goes to me? Sweet. I finally won. <laughs> you love me. You really love me. That's that's coming up this year, too. Yeah. A couple episodes. 85. Yeah. Yeah. Places the heart. So what are we doing? Best actor. Yeah, Jamie Jamie Foxx. Fox. Best actress. Uh, Hillary Swank. Yes. Hillary Swank. She's excellent. Supporting actor. Supporting actor I would give out of all these movies to Alan Alda. Oh, he was so good. He was great. I'm going to give it to Thomas Hayden Church because as much as I like Morgan Freeman, I don't think this was his best performance, but this is one of the best performances of Thomas Hayden Church. Okay. Best uh, supporting actress? Natalie Portman. We just went over oh this for goodness. closer. Kate Blanchett. Fine. For give the it to avi- Kate Blanchett. For the aviator because she's marvelous. She's so good. Marvelous. Marvelous. She's marvelous, darling. Kate Blanchett. No. <laughs> Cinematography. Aviator. The Aviator. Special effects. Um, I would say Million Dollar Baby. She, oh. didn't really, she didn't really break her neck on the stool. Oh, you know, that's good. I'm going to give it to The Aviator for the okay. plane crash. It was excellent. Uh, yeah, and all I, the planes flying around. So. That one was really good. I want to go with something with I really just wish effects. that. I really hope that you were going to say Ray for that terrible hummingbird outside the window when he like his first date with his wife um and he's like yeah like that hummingbird out the window and there's this horrendously cg hummingbird just flying out the window i almost gave it to finding neverland for tinkerbell oh the white the light in yeah. the yeah just flying around uh production design aviator the aviator editing hmm i would go with million dollar baby Oh, good. I almost want a million dollar baby. I want to give it to Ray. Okay. Because I liked the scene transitions and I liked. I. There's a. I mean, when you're watching people just play music to keep to keep the camera and then the audience engaged is really good. So I like that. Sound design and mixing. Ray. Ray, I will also give to Ray. Music. 
Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland, I agree. Best writing. I thought you said you were ready. I am, but this is a tough one. Oh, okay. Then you're not ready then. Well, doesn't mean. Uh, I would go with Million Dollar Baby. Wow, really? Million yes. Dollar Baby? That's what you're choosing? Yep. That's crazy. Me too, actually. That's what I chose. Million yeah. Dollar Baby. Excellent writing. Mm-hmm. And so the best picture goes to... Aviator. The Aviator. Yeah. I will agree. Hands down, not even close. I really struggled with this, actually, but I think that The Aviator kind of... Whereas I think every film here is... All the sum of its parts are really good. I think The Aviators are just that much a little bit better. Uh, I think Aviator is the easiest one to rewatch. Okay. Um, because while it has heavy moments... It's not a heavy movie. No, it's not. And I, 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 I go back to my thing that Million Dollar Baby wins because of the way people are feeling at the time. Second, Aviator just has... It's it's not necessarily a love letter to Hollywood, but it feels like a classic Hollywood movie. Absolutely. I agree. Stuffing it, too much of yeah. somebody's life into two hours. It has it has the grandeur that none of these movies have. Yes. Yes, a lot of these movies are very uh very stripped down yeah. even for even for some of the like even Finding Neverland that has like these imagination creative sequences, like the, it still feels very small yeah. in scope. And yeah. I would agree. Aviator doesn't Good for you. All right. I'm glad we agree. You ready for the 1995? You ready for the 1995 Best Picture nominees? We're doing this episode now? No, yeah. I'm not ready. No, we're doing it now. I mean, you actually, I think you pretty much could be ready. I mean, probably. I mean, you're right. I could do this for, I think I can do this from memory. Spoiler, there's a movie I hate. All right. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this from memory. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. Quiz Show. Yep. Pulp Fiction. Yep. Shawshank Redemption, uh-huh. Forrest Gump. Yes. Those are the movies. Spoiler, there's two movies I hate. I'm going to say Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump are the movies you hate. Oh, will that be true? Who knows? I think the way you Find said, out oh, next like, week. Like, like, like you're that predictable. Well, I know it's not Quiz Show. Right. And I'm pretty sure it's not Four Weddings and a Funeral. Never seen Four Weddings and a Funeral. Okay, so there you go. And I know it's Pulp Fiction. So it's, it's <laughs> And I know it's Pulp Fiction. Fiction. So I would say it's got to be either Forrest Gump or Shawshank Redemption. And so... We're going to find out. We'll find out, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be Forrest Gump. Mm, who knows? I'm pretty sure. Well, anyway... The so Shadow knows. That's who. The Shadow does know. So that is it from us. You can find you can find us on Twitter at Academy Rewind, uh, which is really Palmer. And you can find me on TimothyPG13, academyrewind.gmail.com for your email to be ignored and never read. And you can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio shows at thoughtbubbleaudio.com and rate and review us on iTunes and other places that podcasts can be found. Palmer, I think that is it from all of us. What do you want to what do you want to say to the people? Hi people. Okay. I love you. Very good. Well, I'm glad you love them because they're playing and us off. Ohana means family. No, I have so many other people to thank. Oh, too bad. Bye. Bye. No, 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 no. The way you started that, it sounded like you were actually doing the Star Trek theme. Na, 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 na.
It's perfect. All right. I was recording all of that. Good job. I'm going to keep it in.